Welcome to the Bethel Church Austin Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Pastor Eddie Tate. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com. Don't, don't sit down. If you guys have been here long enough, you know better than that. Come on. If I'm here, we're not sitting yet. Put your hand on your neighbor. Is anyone feeling awkward yet? Sometimes God just wants you to know and you're known. He wants you to know that that he's within reach. Sometimes we can make God so far away in our lives. And he's as close as our neighbor. Father, I pray that you would bless every person in this room tonight. Father, I pray that you bless the person on our left and and our right, God, more than they could hope, think, or imagine. God, I thank you for what you've already done in our midst, and I thank you for what you're going to continue to do. And God, I give everyone in this room permission to ignore me if you're encountering them. I don't get easily distracted, and I really don't care about distractions. I just want you to have an encounter with the one who loves you more than anyone else. So, Father, we pray for your love to come right now. For your beautiful touch to touch us. If you're here, you're not here by accident. If you're here, it's not because you made a decision. It's because you answered a prompting. which means something tonight is for you. You weren't brought here just to hear something and leave with nothing in return. Everyone is here to receive something. It could have been during worship. could have been in the lobby. It could be after the message. It could be any time. But you're here for a purpose. You're not just here by choice. So, Father, I pray that whatever is needed, whatever's been hoped for, Father, more than that, whatever you want to do, we just release that tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you may be seated. So I want to touch on a couple of things tonight. I want to to touch on identity. I want to talk on promises. And I want to speak to some giants. Some of you might get excited about the giants, but I'm talking about those giants that stand between us and our promise. You see, in the promises of God, you're going to find your identity in the process and on the other side of the process. Your identity is found in God's promises. 
There are thousands of God's promises throughout the word. Thousands. Some say over three, some say over five, some say over 7,000 promises of God. How many of you are contending for one? <laughs> yeah. There are thousands. And God's promises reveal our identity. They also reveal his identity in and through us. They show us who we are, but they show us who he is. His promises reveal things to us that allow us to walk out the design, plan, and purpose that he had when he breathed life into you. Giants are those things that seem to be in the way, preventing us from living out the truth of our identity of God. See, the problem is, is if we don't live in our identity, we're actually setting a very low ceiling for our children and the next generation. You not living out your identity prevents your children and the generation after you from being able to see what's possible. But that means the reverse is also there. When you are walking out your identity, you are giving permission to your children and the following generation to go farther than they ever knew possible. See, all of us face giants. How many of you have said, can say you've actually faced a giant in your life? The rest of you, teach us the way. <laughs> See, we've, we've experienced giants corporately. Sometimes as a society, we, we face giants. We face giants individually. Some come in the form of pain or lack. Some come in the form of needing a healing or a financial breakthrough. Some are just socially things that we don't agree with because we know that they oppose the will of God. See, giants are anything that stand between you and a promise that he's given you. Either as a people or a person. See, a lot of this message came out of my heart and desire for praying for our city and just wanting to see God supernaturally do something in a city that changes the face of the earth. I believe it. I believe that Austin is going to change the way the world looks at the Father. I believe that fathers are going to be reestablished over the face of the earth because of the fatherlessness that's broken in Austin. But in praying, I actually faced the giant. You can't read the news, listen, watch social media, or have a glimpse of a conversation with anyone without hearing about the giants that we're all facing. And sometimes it seems overwhelming. How many of you have ever felt a little overwhelmed by the size of the giant in front of you? See, somebody came up in worship and they said something, and it's funny because it was actually a part of my message. But it's, it's amazing how the size of the giant in front of you quickly shifts when you realize the giant that's inside of you. It's like the shift of, whoop, that giant gets really small. See, when your perception of a problem or opposition is from an 
earthly perspective of what's in front of you, it seems overbearing. But when you sit in heavenly places and you look from a kingdom throne, when you look from a place sitting next to your father, you look down and think, wow, it looks like a little itty bitty ant. But Eddie, you have no idea how long I faced this giant. This thing has overwhelmed me for my whole life. No, it hasn't. You're not dead yet. And if you think your life ends when you die, you haven't read your Bible. You are victorious over every giant you face. There is nothing that can stand before you that you cannot overcome. You are called more than conquerors. <laughs> more than conquerors. That right there should give us a key. How many of us fight to win a battle when we're more than conquerors? Conquerors don't need... If you're a conqueror, you're fighting something. If you're more than a conqueror, you're watching something be fought. If your battle's wearing you out, quit fighting and recognize who should be fighting. Step to the side and let the warrior actually step forth and defeat your enemy. That wasn't even in my notes. That was free. We need to just stop surviving in the things that we were called to conquer. Some of us are making it every day, and we should be thriving every minute. Giants camp around promises and anything that opposes your identity. See, giants aren't just randomly placed. Giants don't just walk around doing nothing. They're actually positioned by your promises because they want to stop you from, from receiving what you've been promised. They want to receive you from recognizing your identity. It's amazing to me how I think one of the largest giants we face is the mirror. We look in it and we see a reflection instead of seeing the glorious nature of God within us. Sometimes we look in the mirror and we see a giant that looks just like us. And I'm not talking about weight. I'm talking about the person that stands in your shoes sometimes and says, I don't think I can do it. That giant needs to be defeated. I want to go through a couple of places, stories in the Bible. We're going to go into Numbers and we're going to go into 1 Samuel. How many of you know the story of Moses when he sent the spies into the land to see the promised land? How many of you know that story? If you didn't raise your hand, smack yourself, you should be reading your Bible. Or at least VeggieTales. I mean, come on, something. <laughs> if you don't know what VeggieTales is, you ain't been saved. I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying you ain't been saved because everybody knows what VeggieTales is. All right, numbers. Moses, he sends the scouts... He sends the spies into the land to scout the promised land. 
Something that has been promised for them. Kind of the name promised land gives you a hint of what's going on there. I always wondered, why is it that the entire nation of Israel listened to these few men? Like it seems a little odd. Some spies were sent in, and yet Israel listened to the majority. It says, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, everyone a leader among them. See, they weren't just spies. They were leaders of nations. Every one of you is called to lead. Whether you realize it or not, you have influence over people. Every one of us is a leader over a nation or a sphere of influence around you. Your voice matters and people are listening. And whatever report you bring back from the scouting mission you've been sent on, people are going to follow it. See, they weren't just spies. They were leaders. And that's why a nation listened to the majority. They scouted the land and two different reports came back. Both messages had a, had a layer of truth in them, but both had a perception attached. They brought back the message about the, the fruit. They brought back fruit to show them. They talked about it is a land flowing with milk and honey. Nevertheless, this was the, this was the problem. They said, nevertheless... They are giants in the land. The land is consuming us. It's too big for us to actually take. How many of you have been told by the peers in your life that your promise is too big or the giant is too big to receive your promise? Sometimes the best meaning people cast fear when they think they're just causing, casting caution. Caleb, this verse 30, Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. He saw the same giants, he saw the same land, but he remembered that he was stepping into a promise. And if God gives you a promise, you are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report. What kind of report are you giving the people around you? Of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom saw it, who, saw, who we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so were we in their sight. What is it that we have actually said we can't do that it's actually we won't do? 
See, they recognized a challenge and opposition, but they said, we can't do it. That wasn't true at all. It's that they wouldn't do it. Because they stood in a place of recognizing the size of the opposition rather than the promise that had been given. They partnered with a lie. Anytime you step into fear of a giant in front of a promise and you acknowledge the giant over the promise, you agree with a lie. And you actually diminish what God offered you because you're saying, I believe in the opposition more than the promise. See, giants are real, and they stand in the midst of our promises. What is the report we're going to bring back? We're either going to cause fear or faith, and that will inspire people to act. They'll either act in fear or they'll act in faith. We inspire those things by our report. You know, sometimes I used to get annoyed at those happy Christians that said happy things about everything. <laughs> I'm not big into the name it and claim it type thing. You know, it's like, man, I feel sick. Don't claim that. But I feel sick. <laughs> well, don't agree with it. It's not real. I threw up. It's real. I mean, come on, sometimes it's like, I'm sick. Don't rebuke me, just pray for me. I'm not agreeing with it. Trust me, I don't like it. <laughs> but I'm also not going to give a negative report on promises that have been given over my life. God's called me to have outlandish wealth. Uh, I, I always get stuck in this thing and I just, I can't break it. Who did I just give edification to? The promise or the giant? And this is a reality that I'm speaking from right now. I just came into this realization a couple of months ago in the area of financial wealth. You can hear somebody saying, yep, because he's been in the process. How many of you have those friends that kind of, you know, Lovingly grab you by the neck and smack you around a little bit and say, shut up and quit complaining. Anybody have those? If you don't, I'll name a couple of them right now and you can get close and they'll help you. No, the reality is that I recognized something that was happening in my life and I actually, I actually misplaced the name of God and put it on a giant. Because I knew the promise that God had given me, but I also knew the enemy that came to face me. But I knew that every time that enemy came, God came through and broke through that. And I'm like, that's awesome. I know he's a deliverer. Oh, the enemy came again to steal from me, but I know God will help me. He's a deliverer. Oh, the enemy came to steal from me. I got stuck in this roundabout for so long that I started to name the devil that was robbing me God as a conqueror. Instead of saying, wait a minute, I've been given a promise. This is a lie from hell. 
that is telling me that I'm always going to face this cycle of defeat and victory and defeat and victory. The reality is I actually took the place of a conqueror instead of recognizing that I've been called to more. So I stepped out of the way and said, okay, I no longer receive this cycle I've lived in. Now I'm actually saying I live in the promise of what's coming to me. How many of you have ever been afraid? Who didn't raise their hand? It's funny. Who didn't raise their hand? They raised their hand. That's good. Yeah. Were you afraid to raise your hand? Every one of us has faced fear of some, of some measure. Every one of us. Fear is control. When you fear something, you've actually relinquished control to it. God is not a controller of many robots. You are not a robot and he's not going to control you. When you say, God, I want you to help me get past this fear, he's like, go ahead. Some of you are getting it. He doesn't go, oh, okay, click, you no longer have fear. In fact, I would probably venture to say that if you say, God, I don't want to have fear in my life, a whole lot of scary things may show up. <laughs> Not because God's a mean, vindictive, tormenting child up in heaven going, hee, 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 hee. It's because he wants to equip you with the ability to show up and face the thing that you actually want victory in. God doesn't want us to just change. He's not going to enforce his will on our will. He doesn't want to change your fear by his hand, he wants you to walk into situations afraid. Because when you walk in afraid, you have to recognize who's with you, and you have to overcome things. If you have no fear, there's little risk. Those of us that don't step into fear of some measure are probably not moving. You're probably standing in one spot saying, I'm really comfortable here. See, some of you come to church, you go, I just want to grow in God. Change me. And God's like, yeah, how about I give you a challenge? Because on the other side of a challenge is your change. I don't want to have fear anymore, God. Oh, well, let me give you something scary to step forward in. God, I just want the anointing to heal the sick. Man, sick people will be around you more than you've ever noticed. But what are you going to do with the thing that he put in front of you? Are you going to avoid it or are you going to step forward into it? 
Ask anyone that has a crazy healing anointing on their lives. They'll probably tell you how many times they've not seen healings more than you've ever seen healings. Why? Because they pray. If you want, how many of you want to see dead people raised? The rest of you are okay with everybody being dead? Like, 30% of you went, woo! The others are like, uh uh. If I raise my hand, you're going to put a dead person out here. I know you will. I love it when people want to walk out an anointing that they haven't practiced. Well, I prayed for a dead guy. My aunt's cousin's friend called me and I said, I'll pray for him. And I did. I don't know if they got raised because I haven't talked to them since. You haven't done nothing. I like it when people walk up and say, man, could you just pray for me? I'm going through something. Sure will. (laughs) Don't lie. You never went to your prayer closet. Some of you might have. But why'd you avoid the opportunity to do what he asked you to do right then and there? It doesn't have to be this majestic, you know, heaven opens up, doves descending, 30-minute prayer. That's always good. I like those prayers. Somebody asks you to pray for him, say, okay, Jesus, I know you're good. And I know that you care about their hearts and their desires more than I do. So, Father, I just invite you to this situation right now. Amen. How long did that take? And I did exactly what I said I was going to do as I prayed for somebody. Now, if I feel the burden or the heaviness or the weight or the relationship to continue to pray for them, I will. But why would I avoid the opportunity to step into something that God's put in front of me? God, I'm afraid of public speaking. Good. Get on stage. Say something. What if your voice is the voice he wants to use to shape a nation? But the giant in front of you saying, you can't do it. You're not eloquent. You don't have a good voice. You're afraid. What if that giant is just standing on the other side of a promise over your life? I stayed on that longer than I wanted, but somebody needed to hear that. See, what Caleb understood about going, out, going into the land and taking the giants and taking a hold of the promised land is that they had an advantage. They had a promise. What's more powerful, a promise for God or an army of giants? That, that wasn't a trick question. A promise of God or an army of giants? Are you sure? Some of you are answering. Some of, you got. Hello?
See, an unrecognized advantage with God. is an unclaimed reward from God. When God's given you the advantage, there's a reward on the other side. Opposition doesn't prevent the presence of God. It actually presents the opportunity to prove the presence of God. How many of you like the story of David and Goliath? Do you know that that story is, wow, 14 people. (laughs) The rest of you will give you a list of really good restaurants to go check out right now so you can have dinner. (laughs) You guys know that the story of David and Goliath is probably one of the most repeated stories out of the Bible? It's not just a church story. It, they, they use it in business. They use it in sport. They use the reference of David and Goliath almost in every aspect of life. Everyone has, You can talk to a thousand people, half of them not ever being around Christians, and they probably know the story of David and Goliath. Or at least they know the names and know that one was little, one was big, and the little guy beat up the big guy. One of my favorite stories. I've been, I've been immersed in that story for probably three months now. And it's just, it's like layers upon layers of what God is showing me in that whole message, that whole story. David is sent to take supplies. He's sent to take, sent to take lunch to his brothers. He's told to go. Why? Where is he? He's at home, tending the flocks, beating up bears and lions. You guys know this story? See, what he did in his secret place provided the ability for him to actually publicly become victorious. See, he was able to beat lions and bears because he spent time out in the wilderness with his flocks worshiping God. Out of his place of knowing the presence of God coming near to him because of his affection to God... God's nearness defeated lions and bears in his life. So he shows up at the army. You guys know this. Goliath is standing there, Philistine army. Goliath is blaspheming God and the armies of Israel. The armies of God are being called out by a giant. And what were the armies doing? They were cowering in fear. Because they saw something that they didn't think they could beat. They saw something that knew could take away everything that they'd been promised. How many of you believe that lie? See, some of us actually give so much credit to the giant that we actually believe it can take away our promise. See, David shows up and he sees the army cowering. He listens to the Philistine, and he's listening to him blasphemy God. Now, David is close with God. He's friends with God. How many of you have a really close friend in your life? How many of you are okay with people defiling their name in front of you? He was not going to stand for someone to call his God something less than what he was. 
And he actually looked around and questioned, what is wrong with everyone? Why are we cowering behind rocks? And, and why are we hiding from this idiot, as tall as he is? No offense, Aaron. See, I stand next to Aaron and I think, David and Goliath, I don't want to kill him. I'm just like, that must have been what it was like. I love you, Aaron. So David goes to Saul and he says, I'll kill the Philistine. Starts in verse 38. So Saul clothed David with his armor and he put on a bronze helmet on his head. And he also clothed, clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to the armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Pause. I will unpack this one day because this is part of the revelation. I've really been just layers of this. I have heard so many messages about this area of this scripture where it talks about how dare Saul try to put his armor on David and make him do something that he wasn't ready to do. How many of you ever heard that message? See, I believe that it's actually an invitation for us to recognize generational blessings. See, when a younger person actually receives what an older generation knows works and tries it without fighting that, they are blessed to go forward into battle. But then an older generation also needs to be able to receive that if they try it and they decide to do something different, we need to honor what a younger generation is recognizing that their ability is and they will walk out in victory. <laughs> David goes and he kills Goliath. You guys know that. Grabs five stones. Philistine says, what are you that I am a dog? You come at me with sticks. David takes out his trusty little, bam, sinks a rock into his forehead. He falls. Now, David had actually told him, I'm going to cut off your head. He didn't even have a sword, so what did he do? He used Goliath's sword, cut off his own head. This is the amazing part to me. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. I find it funny that there is an army standing behind a giant and an army hiding from a giant. The giant gets killed. The army behind this giant runs. You'd think they'd say, well, let's take advantage of their hiding in their fear and destroy them anyway. When you defeat the giant in front of you, all other opposition runs in terror. Now, the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley and to the gates of Ekron. And they wounded, oh, and the wounded of the Philistines fell along the road. I'm not even going to pronounce that word. You'll have to read it yourself. <laughs> Even as far as Gath and Ekron. Then the children of Israel returned from chasing the Philistines and plundered their tents. 
The same army that cowered before a giant was now able to plunder in victory. When we conquer giants, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. And our victory over fear automatically liberates others to walk in victory. It was a young man that refused to allow a giant to stand between him and the promises that God has spoken into his life. And it equipped an army to plunder an attacking army. When you look at those two stories, those that bring back a message of fear lose out on an inheritance. While those who act on faith towards a promise become kings. See, when, when those spies came back, those leaders came back and said they're too big, that nation was told you will not step into that land and receive your inheritance. It was the next generation that had to wait. Except for one, the one that came back with the right report. The one that came back and said, let's take what was promised. He was allowed to enter into the promised land. Are you in your life coming at a, an opposition or an, a giant and giving the report that inhibits you from receiving the promise and cripples a generation behind you and make them wait to receive a promise that should have been given to you. If we only think about ourselves, we're not realizing that we actually carry breakthrough for the generation behind us. And the way I report my opposition in front of me actually equips or slows down, let's say it nicely, the generation from receiving what they can receive. Kings are made when they step into promises. Kings are made when they step past fear. There are some people that have been facing giants in this room. Easy ones. And the reason I say easy is because I've actually come to believe that giants that we face and have labeled as big are not very big at all when we look from a kingdom perspective. Sounds great on stage with a microphone, but when you've been sitting under a giant's foot for 30 years, you start to begin to believe that the giant's actually winning. How many of you have ever had a friend in your life come by and say, um, I'm seeing something differently than you because I'm not in the situation and it helps you get out of that situation. I want anyone that has been facing the giant of sickness, the giant of disease, to stand up right now. I'm not praying for you right now. I don't need to. 
How many of you experienced the presence of God tonight? It's the presence that heals, not my prayer. But sometimes we place a giant in front of the presence. Sometimes we recognize something that's coming into a room and then think it can't touch us because of the giant that's been above us for so long. So what I want you to do right now, as you're standing there, if it's a real sensitive issue, you can just generically label what it is you're dealing with. But what I want you to do right now is I want you to actually declare that the giant no longer has dominion over this area of your life. I want you to declare that the God of all creation is actually establishing a new story over your life and that that giant will be defeated even tonight by your declaration. That means your mouths need to be activated. And I will tell you one thing. I, I don't mean to offend, but when I see somebody that is actually wanting victory and they're given an opportunity to declare something and they go, God, I really pray that you would just take this away from me right now. That's not a declaration. The power of life and death reside in our tongues. Power to me doesn't sound like, God, I really hope you will help me tonight. So everyone that's standing right now, I just want you to begin to declare that the giant no longer has victory over you. Your mouth should be louder than these claps. If your voice was the determining factor for your victory, how much do you want victory? Now you are not allowed to believe a lie that nothing happened. That is a lie from the pit of hell. When the presence of God is in a room and you've requested him to come near, he answers. You may not feel something, you may feel everything. That doesn't matter. The presence of God coming near to you is a fact. Which means you are no longer allowed to believe that nothing happened in your life. Who has been under the giant's foot of finances? Now, okay, let me, let me, not I have trouble paying my bills every once in a while. I mean, you've been under the giant's foot of finances. There has been something that has prevented you from having a breakthrough that you know is the promise of God over your life. If you know that there is a financial giant standing above you and that you are ready to see that thing defeated once and for all, I want you to stand. You can no longer believe the lie that whatever you're doing 
is preventing you from receiving breakthrough. If that's true, then God is smaller than what your actions are. Now, the flip side of that is some of you need to actually listen to what God is saying and align your actions to his voice. But more than anything, you have to come to the understanding that the giant of financial hindrance is a lie. If there is a promise of God uh, for finances over your life, there is nothing that can stop that if you surrender to God. So right now, I want you to declare out loud over those giants of finance that they will bow down and be defeated by the promises of God over your life and that you will no longer be held back from what God has promised. Thank you, Father. Come on. Again, you are not allowed to believe that nothing happened. Some of you, ooh, I can feel something stirring now. Some of you are actually going to hear from God in the next 24 hours. But what you're going to hear may require you to make change. How many of you were here and heard Joaquin's message? Just a four-inch shift. Some of you, it's even in this area of finance. You're looking at the foot of a giant going, I just can't. And he's like, just do that. Oh, there's no more foot. Last one I feel led to really go after tonight. And this is going to be multi-layered. This is a sensitive subject, but you know what? We're family. And sometimes I'm not worried about sensitivity. I know, it's surprising. I know. See, I desire your breakthrough more than your feelings. Anyone that's ever been a parent, you know that sometimes you're not worried about your kids' feelings because you want to see a promise fulfilled in their lives. There are people in this room that have dealt with divorce. You're in the process of divorce. There's people that have dealt with serious relational separations family separations, some of you haven't talked to relatives that should be fairly frequent communication. You haven't talked to them for years. Some are fathers and mothers, some are children, some are brothers and sisters, some are spouses. And this one I'm passionate about. I want to see the giant that inhibits relational prosperity to be defeated once and for all.
So if you are struggling in any area, or if you even want to stand in the gap for a fourth or fifth member or something, let's stand and declare that this giant of relationship inhibiting is just defeated once and for all. Some of you, some of you are going to defeat a giant tonight and it's going to reestablish a relationship you didn't expect. Some of you aren't ready for that to happen. Some of you have made a decision that you're okay with what's happened, but you want it to just be okay going forward. See, my God is a God of restoration. So there is going to be some restoration that happens tonight. So right now, I want you to declare over that giant that he no longer has authority to keep relationships severed and that things will be restored in his way with his blessing. No, 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 no. You need to declare. Declare. We need relationships restored. All right, this is what I want you to do. If you have children, Go get your children and bring them back in here. This is not meant to be just for adults. This is supposed to be a generational breakthrough for everyone in this house. But I want every one of us to stand. There is also a truth to the fact that sometimes what we see is so skewed because we're in the midst of a situation. And it takes those around us to bring us out to show us what's real. As a father, I know that my kids have sometimes gone through things that in their moment seems like one of the biggest, most life-affecting things they've ever experienced. And as a father, I can look back and say, I understand how you're feeling. But I'm on the outside going... It's really this big. But what I allow them to acknowledge in their life becomes the standard that they live from. And if I allow the people around me to acknowledge the giant over the promise, I'm equipping people to be delayed in the inheritance that God has promised them. And I do not want to be someone that does not push people 
towards, into, and around the giants in their lives so that they can receive the fullness of what God's promise is. Every one of us has giants that we face. Every one of us. Corporately and individually. And right now, I want us to go to war for a moment. And we're not warring against the enemy. We're warring against the mindset that the enemy is actually larger than the promise. And all I want us to do is I want us to begin to declare. I want us to begin to rend on heaven the truth that he and his promises are perfect and good. And they cannot be stopped when we recognize who we are and who he is. So let's begin just for a few minutes. Let's just call out and command the promises of God to come forth. To defeat the enemy by not giving him visibility in our eyes. By calling him a liar and speaking the truth of who God says he is. Do it for yourself. Do it for the person next to you. Do it over society. Do it over our city. Do it over our families. If you don't have a voice to war for yourself, war for your neighbor. See, this is also praise. This is worship. When you begin to call truth over lies, it's worship. It may not be a song, but it is still pleasing to the Lord to acknowledge his truth over the lies of the enemy. Father, we release people from seeing the enemy larger than your promise. We break off the cycles of recognizing what is not available because of an enemy that seems to be too big. We command that thing to step aside and to view, give us view of the promise. Father, we take ourselves out of the fight and we allow you to come forward in victory. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.